Welcome to the Purposeful Planning Podcast, where you'll gain tangible, practical suggestions to help you transform and elevate your practice. Our content is for both seasoned professionals working with complex family systems and those just entering the field. These podcasts will also be valuable for family leaders who are dedicated to helping individual family members find their pathway to flourishing lives and strengthening the relational fabric of the family. Welcome and thank you for joining us. And now your host. Welcome to another Purposeful Planning Podcast. I'm John A. Warnick, your host for today's podcast. I'm very honored to have with me again on the air with a PPI production, John Graham. John, previously, almost um, 11 years ago, was featured on a Philanthropy U program that we did and we're going to talk, I'll, I'll explain in just a, a little bit how that came about. But John's got a fascinating background. You're going to be really enthralled by what he's going to share with us today. He shipped out on a freighter when he was 16. He hitchhiked through the Algerian Revolution when he was 19. And he was on the team that made the first ascent of Denali's North Wall at 20. That's a climb so dangerous, it's never been repeated. Uh, so his name is in the history books forever, kind of perpetually, it looks like at this point. He hitched across, hitchhiked across the world at, at 22. He worked as a correspondent, a correspondent in every war he came across. He was a U.S. Foreign Service officer for 15 years. He was in the middle of the 1969 revolution in Libya and the war in Vietnam. Uh, to a young John Graham, adventure was everything, and each brush with death only pushed him to up the ante and to bury ever deeper the emotional life needed to make him whole. Then it changed, something slowly, sometimes dramatically, including during one night at the height of a battle in Vietnam. John later would appear in front of the United Nations where he risked his career, crossing his own government to support peace initiatives in South Africa and Cuba. And that's perhaps where he first began to stick his neck out in a major way. We'll talk a little bit more about that soon. Then came that all or nothing moment when he was forced to make a decision fighting for his life in a lifeboat in the middle of a typhoon when his ship caught fire and sunk in the Gulf of Alaska. His young daughter was with him. We'll hear a little bit more about that shortly. For the last 35 years, John Graham has been the leader of the Giraffe Heroes Project, a global movement inspiring people to stick their necks out as he has, to solve public problems, and to give them the tools needed. He helped end apartheid in South Africa, avert a major strike in Canada, save what's left of the Everglades, settle a war in the Sudan, find long-term long environmental solutions for the Pacific Northwest, and build bridges between the Muslim world and the West. John's the author of several books, including Outdoor Leadership, Sticking Your Neck Out, a street smart guide to creating change in your community and beyond. It's up to us. And a memoir, Quest, Risk, Adventure, and the Search for Meaning. 
He's done TV and radio programs all over the world. For more information on John, go to his website, johngram.org. And John, with that, I want to get started. Don't want to take any more time. There's so much to cover. But if you would, maybe could you give us just your own kind of brief description of, of your life and the adventures that you've been on? Well, John, thank you very much for in, in, inviting me on. I'm very happy to be here. You've really covered it extremely well. I don't want to repeat that stuff. All I can say is, darn it, it's all true. <laughs> That's yeah, great. it was a, you know, I, my life as a as a young person was all about adventure, and all everything you you've you've noted was, as I said, is true. Uh, and right now, I I realize I'm very lucky to be alive. I came close to a violent death a dozen times, at least by the time I was forty. So, you know, it was a great life for a while, as long as it lasted. But but somewhere along the road, usually I think I recounted back to my time in the war in Vietnam, um, a life was devoted to nothing but adventure. And that's what I was. My life was devoted to nothing but adventure. All I cared about was the next big thrill, the next big adrenaline rush. A life like that was shallow because I didn't care about other people. I just cared about myself. I didn't care about the world problems uh, I was enmeshed in. I cared about my next adventure. And all of a sudden, in a battle in Vietnam, it came to me. There was death all around me. That that was an incredibly shallow way to live my life, incredibly shallow. And from that moment on, I, I, I just went deeper and deeper into a hole. Like, what is my life about? The adventures are fun, but it's so empty. And I began to crawl out of that hole because I obviously survived Vietnam. And I came back and I was in the foreign service. And a few years later, I was at the United Nations. And I had a chance to actually revert my life and to do, start doing something good. And I did. I helped end apartheid, for example, at the United Nations and did a number of other things uh, at, at the UN, all in an attempt to reverse the direction of my early life. And what it was, was that I was finding meaning for the first time in my life. And this became an absolutely core thing for me, was that the answer to the loneliness and the despair I felt being so self-absorbed was finding meaning. What, what, why was I on the planet? I think we all, in some sense, feel this way, maybe not quite as dramatic a fashion as I did, but everybody looks for meaning. Philosophers have been talking to us and telling us for millennia that there's no human wish greater than than meaning, that that's the biggest search we can all get involved in, is a search for meaning in our own life. Um, and it's true that there's in my, in my life and in many of the lives of the people, I'll talk to that in a minute, that the Giraffe Project is honored. What's important is finding that meaning of looking into a mirror and knowing that what's looking back at you matters, that what you're doing matters. And look at your own, I, I would say, your listeners, think of your own personal lives. In those times in your life when you've been doing something that's meaningful, Oh, what it could be with your family, it could be in your community, it could be on a, a, a project. When you're doing something as meaning, isn't that when you feel most alive? Isn't isn't that when uh, you're most electric, most passionate, most convincing to other people? Of course, it is. We all know the importance of meaning. 
And what I discovered and what you have discovered, perhaps, or will discover, is that the truest, most stable source of meaning is service, is being of service, of helping other people, of making the world a better place. It was a tough lesson for me. It took me a long time to learn it. But um, my whole second half of my life has been devoted to that, uh, first at the United Nations and, and then, and then uh, 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 with the Giraffe Heroes Project. Um, so I can say more about the Giraffe Heroes Project, but I don't want to just... We're going to get to that because I, I think that really has given a great deal of meaning to the second half of your life. But it it's so appropriate for a podcast with the Purposeful Planning Institute where purpose is everything that we would start out with John kind of underlining the importance of discovering purpose and meaning in one's life. Um, John, what drew us together the second time was I happened to see something that you put out about a documentary that you and your daughter have contributed to significantly. It's the story of you fighting for your life and trying to protect your daughter's life in a lifeboat in the middle of a typhoon in the Gulf of Alaska. Could you just take a few minutes and, and share that experience. It, it's pretty dramatic. Oh, well, this happened soon after the, the time at the United Nations. And I had found enough meaning in my life and I had gotten my life reoriented enough so that I left the Foreign Service because it was just going to get me involved in more wars and more revolutions. It wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. So uh, I decided to leave the Foreign Service, but I forgot to think about Money. This is something may resonate with some of the listeners and their clients. I forgot to think about money. So I had to earn some money. And so I found a job, and the job was lecturing on cruise ships. I didn't, they didn't care what I talked about, foreign policy, whatever, yada, yada. Uh, but they paid extremely well. And I thought to myself, <laughs> how naive I was. I said, oh, well, I can save the world and end apartheid and, and, and deal with the poverty and homelessness and all that for half a year. And the other half, I'll lecture on cruise ships and it'll be fun. And, you know, boy, was that naive. The very first cruise ship I got a job on was headed for uh, Tokyo from Vancouver. And uh, it caught fire uh, out in the middle of the North Pacific, uh, just off the Alaska coast. Um, and uh, I f soon found myself in a lifeboat with my daughter, Mallory, as the ship was burning. And not only that, but a typhoon was coming on, and we were 140 miles from shore. Um, a, a rescue armada had been organized, and uh, and by by dawn, the fire broke out at night. By dawn, we were in lifeboats, and a, a big oil tanker had come by, but it was too big to, to orient itself to rescue people off the lifeboat. So Coast Guards from Canada and the United States uh, sent helicopters, and they began plucking people out of the lifeboats, but the storm got worse and worse. The good thing is that by noon on this first day in the lifeboats with a typhoon coming on, I saw my daughter rescued go spinning off into space uh, in a helicopter and then deposited on the deck of a, of, a, of, a, of a freighter that had answered the SOS. But for me, that wasn't an option. And the storm got so bad, the helicopters couldn't fly. By this point, there were only 10 of us left in this lifeboat, lifeboat number two it was. Um, and, and basically, we were dying. 
Uh, we were in the middle of a typhoon. We were dying of hypothermia. We had no warm clothes. Cold water was breaking over us. Uh, and the key thing was it was getting dark. And uh, it would be um, a miracle if anyone found us uh, at night. So the helicopters couldn't fly. Our only option, our only chance of survival was a Coast Guard cutter, a boat, uh, that was crisscrossing the wild ocean that evening looking for us. Uh, but like I say, uh, we had no lights and we had no no flares, nothing like that. And they had to see us in daylight. Once it got dark, we were dead. We By morning, we would all be have died of hypothermia and been thrown out of the boat, whatever. So I sat down there in that lifeboat, hanging on for dear life. And I thought about my life, as you might suspect you think about your life. And I thought about the dozen times I'd almost died. And I said, well, this is the 13th. I guess I don't have 13 lives. Looks like I'm going down. Um, but, you know, darn it, I, I, I've i changed my life. I'm no longer this this idiot adventure with, self, with nothing that mattered but myself. I'm actually trying to help make things better in the world. And now, God, I, I wasn't particularly religious, so I didn't know what I called it. But God, I mean, what are you doing this for? I thought the universe was supposed to be logical. Here I am trying to be an instrument of good, and now I'm being wiped out. It makes no damn sense whatsoever. And I got really angry, and I shouted into the storm, damn it, why? Why am I being killed now? Just as I'm getting started on a productive, service-oriented life. And this voice came back. Oh, it was so loud. No one else heard it in the lifeboat but me, of course, but I heard it. And it basically said, oh, you're kidding yourself. Here, you've helped in the apartheid. Good for you. Pat you on the head. But now you're lecturing on a cruise ship. If you get out of this one alive, you'll lecture on another cruise ship. You haven't got the guts to live a life of meaning. You haven't got the guts to do what you want to do. So you got to prove it. You either got to really commit yourself to a life of service or you'll die out here. Either can be arranged. I mean, that's what I heard. So I was beaten. I was dying. I knew I only had a short amount of time to live. So I says, yeah, okay, that's a deal. I got it. I got it. And at that moment, a Coast Guard cutter comes crashing through this storm, this big boat, and we get rescued. So I never looked back after that. I went back to the, to the United, uh, to the, to, to, uh, to New York. And then, uh, uh, I met by then met and married my, my wife and Medlock and we had started, she had started actually the giraffe heroes project. And it became a perfect vehicle for my service because what I found out and what I think anyone finds out is that when you're looking for meaning, you're going to find it only one way. And that's in service. That's in, in, in helping make the world a better place. And that's what the giraffe project does and for the last 35 years or so Anne and I have done nothing but that and if I may say so the project is a very simple-minded strategy we simply tell the stories of people already sticking their necks out that's why it's called the giraffe heroes project we find these people sticking their necks out and we get their stories told we tell their stories any way we can websites social media whatever all over the planet other people hear these stories and they say, well, heck, I can do that too. And so we inspire all kinds of people to to find the meaning in their lives through service by giving them examples of other people doing the same thing going first. Simple-minded strategy, but darned if it doesn't work from the feedback we're getting. We inspired, I don't know, thousands, hundreds of thousands maybe of people to take up trying to solve tough problems where they live. Maybe that could be... Uh, 
you know, uh, battling climate change or or dealing with a crooked city government or for a kid, it may be an environmental project someplace, picking up trash in the local polluted riverbank, whatever. We've now honored over 1,500 people. Uh, there's a lot more on us at uh, www.giraffe.org. Uh, I urge you to take a look at it and see what we've been doing over the last 35 years. But the point I want to make is that the giraffes discovered the same thing I discovered. They found the meaning of their life. They found the meaning of their life, whatever they were doing. And they found that meaning in service. They found that meaning by making their world a better place. And so... That's what leaves me so adamant about this idea that the core of life is finding meaning and purpose, and that the way to do that is through some kind of service applies to all of us. I don't care whether you're white or you're black or you're green. I don't care whether you're rich or you're poor. I don't care whether you run an organization or you have and have clients or you're you're personally wealthy yourself. It doesn't make any difference. The challenge is all the same. Uh, for all of us, you're on this planet to find meaning. You're on this planet to find purpose. And the easiest and most permanent way of finding that is through some kind of service. And that's my message to, to people listening to this podcast. And I hope through you to your clients as well. And I can say more about that, but I'll stop there. John, this is marvelous. And it's so aligned with, with what I think our community is about. Um, now, given this myriad, um, just amazing mosaic of adventures and experiences that you've you've had that are so unique, can you can you reach back into that um, those experiences and and pull out for us some practical tips and advice that you could offer to our listeners today and and through them to the the families and the individuals that they serve that might help everyone better understand how to navigate the challenges of wealth and well-being. Sure. I'd be glad to do that. I'm not offering it as some kind of know-it-all, uh, as certainly, but I will tell you from my own experience, which you now know a little bit about, and from the experience of these giraffe heroes, these 1,500 people that have all made the same discovery about the importance of purpose. And, and that is, is that it doesn't matter whether you are rich or poor. So I'm talking to all of your listeners and all of their clients. It doesn't matter. Your station in life doesn't matter. You still need to find meaning in your life. And that means... Uh, practically speaking, you ask for some practical advice. It means, for example, in counseling your clients to really come to understand what makes them tick, not just their bank accounts, not just how much they can give or whatever. Um, but, but what makes them tick? What, what's, what, what, what's, what are they passionate about? What do they care about? Uh, if someone, for example, says, Oh, I, I care about the environment. Oh, great. Well, let me suggest that you explore with that client more than just giving a fat check to the Sierra Club, for example, which is fine. I'm not saying don't give a fat check to the Sierra Club, but I'm saying get actively involved. Get Find ways to get your client actively involved in some environmental pursuit. 
For example, maybe by joining an organization as a volunteer, forget the money for the moment anyway, joining an organization as a volunteer um, to, uh, to, uh, to help, I don't know, um, uh, deal with uh, an environmental crisis right in your own community. Uh, get out there um, and, and help. Let's say, for example, that your your client, you find out, is really concerned with homelessness because every time they drive to their office, they see you know people living on the streets and stuff in their city. Well, don't just write a check um, uh, and leave it at that for, for to allow someone else to, to 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 try to solve the problem. There are all kinds of ways to get in and try to solve the crisis of lack of low-income housing in, in this country. And that means more than just money. It means getting actively involved, for example, in the politics of your town, dealing with NIMBY pressures, for example, sitting on a city council planning board, for example, getting actively involved. So I guess what I would suggest in, in, in some is that suggest, first of all, find out what makes your clients really tick. I mean, deep down, what do they care about? Of course, they care about their kids and their grandkids, fine. But beyond that, what do they care about? The environment, the climate, the environment, corruption in politics, whatever. And then find some way to suggest active involvement that fits their station in life. I'm not saying that someone who's 95 and feeble should get out there with a, 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 a signboard or a placard or something, but I, I, I suspect there's an awful lot of your clients that are looking for some active involvement. At least that's what I do. I, I run a nonprofit, so I do have a lot of contact with some wealthy people. And I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard like, oh God, I'm tired of just giving money. I can do that fine, fine, but it's it just still leaves me empty. I, I want to get more involved. So look for active involvement for your clients. And that active involvement targeted toward a kind of service that resonates with what makes your client's life meaningful. And you've learned this through your own active involvement and talking with them and finding out what makes them tick at a deep personal level. John, this has been absolutely inspiring you are a draft you've stuck your your neck out over these almost 40 years now we're so grateful for the decisions that you made uh grateful for your describing some of those experiences in such intimate detail with us today and i would encourage everyone listening to follow john's example let's find ways to dive more deeply into what motivates our clients to to basically join with them in helping to solve the tough problems that face society and to make this world uh, a better place for all of us. Thank you. And um, we just look forward to continuing to watch you stick your neck out, John. Thank you, John. We hope you enjoyed today's program. And if you are a member of the Purposeful Planning Institute, I want to invite you to come post in the community forum and share your key takeaways from today's conversation. And if you're not a member yet, here's your invitation to join us and be part of our community and access the network, resources, and tools you need to transform your client relationships and your practice. And don't forget to use promo code PURPOSEFUL to receive a 10% discount on a membership. 
Learn more at PurposefulPlanningInstitute.com. dot com.